right? Now, here's what I need you to do. Can I, can I act like I'm at Glass City? Okay, if I say get it, you say got it. All right? And if you say got it, we're going to move through this lesson quickly. All right, let's test it. Get it? Get it? All right, we're going we gonna to do this. Now, I, I'm going to just read one verse. Um, Jeff gave me um, verses 12 or through verse um, 15. And um, I just want to read one, one verse where the subject is found. Uh, verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. Least any of you uh, be heartened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so my lesson is about exhortation. And this, this, this paragraph, this pericope, is, is that it, when you read the book of Hebrews, see, I, I understand that um, 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 when, when God gave the letters, um, they didn't have chapters and verses. So when Jesus said, search the scripture, you had to read the whole book. Now, I think that's important because if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was a priest and a printer that put it in there. Uh, and sometimes it's not divided correctly. So when Jeff called me and asked me to do this, I read the whole book. Uh, let me, let me, okay, inquiring minds want to know. It wasn't my first time reading the whole book. But, but I read the whole book. And, and, and so, um, but, and, and I understand there are a lot of exhortations in, 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 in the book of Hebrews. You see, this one is a moral exhortation. It, it is about morality. All right? It, it is about morality. Now, and so I read through the whole book. Now, um, like Luke, when you read Luke, I did my investigation. I said my investigation. I know we got all kind of scholars up in this place. And if you want to holler at me, holler at me, but I did my investigation. Get it? I said get it? Now watch this. Watch this. I investigated. So I ran all the way through the book of Hebrews, and I know there's some difficulty with understanding who who, who wrote it? We don't know who wrote it. And as one historian said, only God knows. I, I, I can go with that. We're we, we talking about the people that he, that he wrote to. Now, he doesn't necessarily tell us, but there's a little inference found in chapter 13. And he says, salute those who are in Italy. Y'all watch this now. I said I did my investigation. So I have surmised from my investigation that he's talking about people at the church in Rome. I said my investigation. You can holler at me later. Now watch this, y'all. Watch this, y'all. So in, in, in my view, it had to be written after the book of Romans because Paul didn't deal with some of the stuff the Hebrew writer is dealing with, and it had to be written before the destruction of the temple, A.D. 70. Now, now follow me, because when you, when you study Hebrews, the sacrifices are in the present tense. That means that they are offering sacrifices, so therefore the temple has not been destroyed. Get it? Y'all hang with me. I, I, I promise I won't be long. Uh, uh, it, 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 the, the temple has been So they're, they're under pressure. Now, when you read, um, and I say to the church where I preach, I'm not going to always give you chapter and verse. Sometimes I won't give you any of it. Sometimes I'll give you a chapter. Sometimes I give you a chapter and verse. But Jesus says, you go search the scriptures. All right. So listen to me. So when you get to chapter 10, here's what he says. He says, you, you've been through it before. All right. When you get to chapter 12, he says, you're going through it now, but you're not going through it unto death. So you're not dying, but you're going through some stuff. 
all right? So you've been through it before. Here's my investigation. Claudius. See, when the church first started in Rome, it was a Jewish church. And then they had some Gentile converts. So it went from a Jewish church to a Jewish Gentile church. Then Claudius kicked all the Jews out. And it became a Gent. Y'all follow me now? It became a Gentile church. And then Nero invited all the Jews back in. And now it went from a Jewish church to a Jewish Gentile church to a Gentile church back to a Jewish Gentile church. Get it? That's why Paul wrote Romans, because those people couldn't get along. They, they couldn't get along. Jews, Gentiles couldn't get along. We know about that not getting along stuff, don't we? All right, all right. Now, now listen, he said, so he said, you've been through it before. He said, he said but, you're, but, but, you're, but, you're, but, but you're going through it now. You know, not under death, but you're going through it. Now, um, um, one, one of my favorite authors is Samuel Proctor. And he's given me a, now, homiletics goes all kind of different ways. That's how you put together sermons. You, you see that up here. But Proctor says, every sermon ought to answer a primary question. Now, there are a lot of questions answered in a sermon, but it ought to be a primary question. Here's the question. Here's the question. What do you do when you're in the squeeze? Oh, okay, let me, let, me, let me illustrate that. The word tribulation. Uh, it, it, it's a word that sometimes means that you grab the grape, squeeze the grape, to get the juice. What do you do when you're being squeezed like a grape and the squeeze is getting the juice? What do we do? What do you do when you are in the squeeze? Get it? Okay, y'all say I can act like I'm in Toledo. Look at your name and say neighbor. Neighbor. What do you do? When you in the squeeze. And now watch this. Watch this. See, see, see what God, and it's been said, and, and sometimes you can't help but kind of step into somebody's territory when you expositating and step out. So I'm going to step in a minute, step out. What God is trying to do is give us rest. Okay? Rest is rest, rest, rest. Rest is in the here and now and the not yet to come. All right? So, the first thing he says in verse 12. Now, there's a wherefore in verse 7. There's a wherefore in verse 10. Uh, and, and, and the wherefores in verse 7, verse 10 has to do with Israel. He said, now look at these people. Look at these people. They were in Egyptian bondage for 100 years. Trying to make brick out of straw. And God sent Moses, already been taught to us, and said, let my people go. And after a while... Pharaoh, y'all know the story, had to let him go. God says, I'm going to send the death angel. And if you got blood on your doorpost, your, your baby boy won't die. So they had to let the people go. And the Bible says they parted the Red Sea. And the children of God, the church in the wilderness. Okay, I'm not talking about the church of Christ. I'm talking about the church in the wilderness. It was a church in the wilderness. They walked through the Red Sea. 
and they were set free from bondage. Now they're in the wilderness. Read the book of Deuteronomy. And it'll tell you it was an 11-day journey. How in the world would an 11-day journey turn into a 40-year wandering? Oh, y'all ain't hear me now. Oh! You've seen the power of God. And as soon as you get thirsty, you want to say to the preacher, why you brought us out here? You brought us out here to die. Why didn't you let us stay back there where we were? Now we out here and we in the squeeze. What you going to do, preacher? And God gave them water from the rock. They provoked God. They tested God. They provoked God. They tested God. And in the beginning of the journey, God gave them what? Okay, read 1 Corinthians and, for, and Paul will tell you that rock was Christ. I told you to search the scriptures. There was Christ. He, fed him, he, he gave him water from a rock. The same thing happened in the later years. They thirsty. And now they want to tempt God. They want to prove God. And Moses is now frustrated. Now every preacher ought to say amen. Uh, every preacher ought to raise their hand. Every preacher ought to take the shoes off and stand on holy ground. Because these folk will get you frustrated. Y'all not hear me now? And God said, Moses, strike the rock. Moses so angry, so frustrated, he speaks to the rock. Now God is trying to get him some rest, brought him out of Egypt, into the wilderness and they don't get rest. Ain't no rest. No, no, oh, are y'all with me? Get it? Get it? No, no, watch this. So, so here, here's what the Hebrew writer says. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to my seat. He, he, first thing he said, take heed. You, you better, you better, listen to me. You in trouble if you don't read your Bible. You in trouble if you don't read the Old Testament. You're in a whole lot of trouble because there are some narratives and there are some stories in the Old Testament that we need to read because the Hebrew writer says, take heed. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, take heed. Watch this, y'all. That's a present imperative. I said that's a present. In, in other words, he's not suggesting that you do anything. He's commanding you. He, it's a present tense. You got to keep looking at it. You got to keep reminding yourself. You got to keep looking at it. You got to keep reading your Bible. Reading your Bible. I said reading your Bible. And reading your Bible. You all not die and go to heaven and have not read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Get it? Somebody say, I don't read well. Well, they got smartphones. So, so now listen so, so the first thing he says he, he, listen now listen now he says take heed that's you that's the individual nobody can be intentional about God for you he said you gotta do it I gotta do it you gotta do it he says because if you don't do it you'll end up having an evil heart Okay, that word evil is interesting because it's just not talking about you being evil. That particular word for evil talks about you being evil and you want everybody else around you to be evil. 
You want to drag everybody else uh, into your mess. So the pressure's on. The pressure's on. And so you want to bring everybody. So I got a brother. I love my brother. You know, I'm a year older than my brother. But he always wanted me in his mess. And he would say, hey, hey, Bobby. See, when anybody calls me Bobby, if I come off this stage and somebody say, hey, Bobby, I'm going out the back door. That's right. I'm going out the back door. And, 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 and so I would say to my brother, he said, make this run for me. I say, I ain't running for you. Never. Ever. You're not going to pull me in to your mess. That's the eat and the heart. I believe I believe mentioned three or four times just in that paragraph, your heart, your, the place of intellect, the place of emotion and passion and the place of intent, motivation. Now, now listen to me, the, 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 the context of your motivation. You see, the squeeze will demonstrate what's in your heart. Your heart, you, are, you seem to be all right until you get in the squeeze. And when you get in the squeeze, it will manifest what's in your heart. And it, he said, what will happen if you got an evil heart? You will depart from, watch this, y'all, not God, the living God. Okay, let me slow this down a minute. Okay, I know I got about 30 more minutes. Now, watch, watch that. What, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing, Jeff. I'm just playing. You know how you play all the time. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me do this right quick. Then I'm, I promise you I'm going to close. Um, 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 Tim Keller has a book entitled Counterfeit Gods. It's worth reading. And Keller talks about, you know, he said the problem, uh, uh, Augustus talks about um, the problem in the world is love out of order. You know, um, and, and whenever you love out of order, that's idolatry. You will depart from the living God. When you, see, see, where, where that, and I waited right to this point to get that girl I love with all my heart to stand up. I waited. Stand up, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Hurry up and sit down. I learned that from you too, Richard. <laughs> Hurry up, girl. Sit down. Now, the parting, watch this. Now, the, the book of Hebrews is just not about not showing up on Sunday. No, no, it's about leaving. Not just you didn't show up on Sunday. You didn't show up on Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. See, you got to depart. See, um, you see, the reason these Hellenistic Greek-speaking Jews were under pressure and could forsake Jesus, all right, is because Judaism was what was called religiosity. It was a legal religion. But Christianity was religio-illicitate. It was an illegal religion. So if you want to run, you're going to run back under Judaism because it was a legal religion. But here's the problem. You had to stand up in the synagogue 
and you had to denounce Jesus Christ as being better and superior, amen, to the Jewish system of religion. You had to depart because you got an evil, you got an evil heart. Okay, and, and so you depart. Now listen to this, listen to this. This, 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 this is the wonderful piece. Um, and, and Keller talks about a guy, and I think I read this in Terrell, um, by the name of David Foster Wallace. And I want to read this to you. Wallace, Wallace, Wallace was a well-known writer in America, postmodern writer. You know, but, but people who read his stuff said he was strange, you know. And, and so he would write, and people would sit around in circles and try to determine what he was saying. So he did a commencement speech, and they thought he, he considered himself an atheist or, uh, or agnostic, you know. Um, but now listen to what this guy, now remember, this guy's a writer. He's a postmodern writer. He considered himself an atheist or an agnostic. Now watch this. He says, David Foster Wallace, he says, in the day-to-day trenches of life, there's no such thing as atheism, no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. Maybe choosing a spiritual God like Jesus, Yahweh, or Jehovah. He said the compelling reason for choosing that kind of God is that any other God you worship will eat you alive. And then he gives some examples. Y'all hear me, church. If you worship money or things, and that's where you tap, where you tap in, then you will always, you will, you, you will always not have enough. And you will feel you never have enough. He says, if you worship your body and sexual allure, he says, you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. If you worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need more and more power over others just to numb you to your own fear. If you worship your intellect, that is seen to be intelligent and smart, you will always be on the lookout, feeling on the verge of being found out. And the insidious thing about all these forms of worship is that they are unconscious and they are on default setting. If you worship another God other than the God, it will eat you alive. Get it? Now, I, I, I know I got about five minutes. And, and I'm ahead. And, 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 and so he says, and so he says, no, he says, take heed. That's the individual. But then he says, exhort. That's the community. Hear, hear me clearly. We have to have a community of people who build one another up. So you don't agree with me. Let's build one another up. So we are different. Let's build one another up. Maybe if I'm in darkness and don't see the light, if you build me up, maybe I'll find the light. Get it? We've got to be a community of encouraging people. And then he says, then he says this. He said, we are partakers. Now, I missed some of this, but he said, we are partakers in Christ. So we, because we are partakers in Christ, we hold on to the end. Now, listen, there's a lot there, boy. But let me, let, me, let me give you three and deal with one. Um, 
Give me, let me give you three. Um, that is um, redemption. Okay, that's the eternal spirit and the eternal inheritance. We are partakers. Hear me clearly. We are partakers. So what, we, what do we do? We examine, we look. We exhort in the community. And we embrace the fact that we are partakers in Christ. And no matter what you go through, you can hold on. When I was 17 years old, I went to get some driver's license. And they told me that I had an eye disease called character conus. And I had to wear heart contacts, contact lens. And it was $75 a lens. Can I tell you, we didn't have that kind of money. There was $75 a lens. I was baptized in March of 1980. Charlie McClendon was doing a workshop at Westside. And I was baptized in March of 1980. I went off the tarot in August of 1980. I was a babe in Christ. But I was walking around with my Bible just like everybody else. Y'all not hearing me now. And I was walking around with my Bible like, like everybody else. I was a new convert in Christ. But I was so glad and so blessed to be where I was in tarot, Texas. And I had hard contact lenses. I got stories about those lenses popping out. My roommate, he could tell you I stopped the game. Everybody, nobody moved. <laughs> when, I got, when I got to a point in my life, I was in Enterprise, Alabama. I couldn't see the lenses wasn't working anymore. I had to have corneal transplants, but I didn't have insurance. So we had to go back to Duval County, back to Jacksonville. And my wife got a job with the state of Florida. We got some insurance, and I got my transplants. I'm seeing well, but there's a male ego in me. So the boys at the church challenging me on the basketball court. I said, let's go play basketball. After church one evening, and the first play, somebody threw the ball, tipped it, hit me in my right eye. And ever since then, I have been seeing out of one eye. And some days I can see, and some days I can't see. But I stopped by to tell you, I've been holding on. I have never stopped doing what God has called me to do. I have never stopped preaching what God has called me to preach. I've never stopped. I've been holding on. And I stopped by to tell you, I won't let go. And I got up one day and I couldn't see. Because whenever they put a foreign object in your body, at some point it's going to reject. And I got drops out to put in and so it rejects. I could not see. Every day for two weeks I was getting out of bed and I had to go to the eye doctor. And I had to put my hands on my wife's shoulder. And every now and then, I want to take my hands off. Because I want to walk by myself. But I'm blind. You didn't hear what I said. When you're blind, you can't see. But I wanted to take my hands off. My wife would turn around and look at me. And she said, Robert, put your hands on my shoulder. You can't do it by yourself. You got to hold on to my shoulders. And I held on to her shoulders for two weeks. And I went to the doctor. Oh, but I got some good news for you. He said, well, he said, Mr. Burt, you're going to have to have surgery. He said, but you got a gut. So we can't do it here. We got to go to the University of Michigan to do your sur uh, uh, surgery. Two days later, I woke up and I could see William. I could see Dr. Blockade. Didn't tell anybody I could see. Didn't tell my wife I could see. Got to the doctor's office, came in and turned off the light. Took the light and looked at my eyes. 
And then he started reacting. He looked at my eyes again and he started reacting. And he looked at my guy's eyes again and he said, well, well, well. Turn the light back on. He looked at my wife. He says, he can see. And he said, he said to my wife, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. And my wife in her veins said, it is God. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And don't let go. Get it? 